James 1.17, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Let's pray. Lord, we are at your mercy this morning as we seek to honor and glorify your name. We are thankful that you have called us here. Thankful we're part of this assembly that seeks to honor and worship you, that seeks to propagate the gospel to the reaches in this valley, in our neighborhoods, in this country, and across the world. We pray that we are faithful. We pray now that you would help us to put aside all the thoughts of the day, the activities of this past week, what is to come next week, and to truly concentrate on your word, that we would all together worship you by participating in, in, in obedience to your word, to, to soaking in, as was mentioned by Ron, just soaking in your word and understanding it, applying it, understanding the implications of what we're saying, applying it to our lives so that we could become more like you. And for all this, our desire is to bring honor and glory to your name. And we pray this all in Christ's precious name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I was thinking that uh, there, are, there, are, there are moments and, and occasions in our life where we simply just have a group that stands when you're told to stand, say hello when you're supposed to say hello, and um, pray when you're supposed to pray, sit, whatever it is. It's great. I have this new car. Not really new. It's a few years old. It's a Ford, and it has a system in it called the sync system. I thought the, the sink meant, meant something like death trap when I first tried to figure out what it was all about. But it's great. You can tell it. Now, you have to figure it out first. But you can tell it something, and it doesn't talk back in a way that your children do at times. And uh, you know, when you make a mistake, like you'd say a command, and it doesn't understand, and it says, I don't understand that command. Please say again, or something like that. I love that. Because it's quite pleasant, and, um, and, I, and I, sometimes I do say, don't you understand me, and, and there's nothing on the other end. <laughs> sometimes that happens with our kids, too. There's nothing on the other end. But, you know, it was, it was just, I just thought of that as we were thinking through, and I, I've now figured it out, and it does exactly what I want it to do. And, and uh, I just like to sit in my car now. And because uh, I know that things are going to happen the way I anticipate those things happening. But before I did, Ron, thanks for, for um, telling Camille that he's an old man now. Because his wife, no, women never grow old, right? We know that. But uh, the men, as soon as their grandchildren, the hair starts falling out more. Uh, don't be looking for those, but we certainly do congratulate them, and uh, certainly is an exciting time for that. Uh, Grace looked like she was ready to deliver two months ago, and uh, we're thankful that came out. With I thought for sure with the size. Sometimes you know you look at proportion that she would the baby would just come out walking, but that didn't happen either. So, but I submit to you today, in all seriousness, just. You know, as, as I think of what the Lord would challenge in my own heart and what I could share with you, I always come back to, what is the Lord teaching me? What is the Lord using? What am I reading that the Lord is challenging me? And it's very difficult to take 
what the Lord teaches you and to share it with you. I typically don't have the opportunity to go through a series, so you take all that you learn, you try to put that into one message. Now, I will not make anyone fall off their seat, and, and we have to, to resurrect you because the message has been very long, has happened in Paul's time. But at the same moment, I want to bring out a real basic truth for us to recall, to remember. If you've seen from your bulletin, the message that I'd like to share is God is good. I want you this morning to be, be, feel like you're comfortable in responding. So if you wish to say amen, praise the Lord, whatever, go ahead. Uh, this can be very emotional. I'm going to go through part of the message and, and be a little bit ap- academic. Then I want to, to challenge your thinking and challenge your thought process. We all can acknowledge this morning that God is good. We could say that very easily. We've all gone through trials, challenges, very, very tough times in our lives. And, and at those moments, the emotions take over. Our thinking takes over. And what happens? We doubt God. We don't believe at those moments that God is good. God has not changed, has he not? So maybe what has changed, maybe it's our thinking. The number one challenge to the understanding that God is good and loving is that so many bad things, and they say this, right? Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, I submit to you in one case, first of all, there is none righteous. There are none good. There are none that seek after God. So to simply make a statement that why do bad things happen to good people would be to not understand Scripture. It's the first fundamental truth that we must understand. So how do we justify that God is good and evil exists? From that, there are raised three propositions that are scriptural propositions. These exist and they create some challenge for us when we try to think logically and of ourselves. Number one, that God is good. We know that, meaning that he desires the good and happiness of his creatures. We can see that from scripture. We could go through those, but I think fundamentally we all believe that and recognize that. Number two, God is sovereign, meaning that he has power to do as he wills. But we also recognize that evil exists. Natural disasters, personal tragedies, death, and sin are all part of this evil world. Since evil exists, though, we do have a couple of problems, right? We can either say God is not really sovereign and therefore cannot prevent evil, or we could say, one could conclude that God must not be good since he would have no reason to prevent evil. We know those things aren't true. And again, what happens is our emotion, our thinking takes over, and we see these tragedies, we see these things going on, and we, we go right over the logic of who God is and our knowledge of God, and we say, how can these things happen when we know God is good? We can respond quickly 
and a couple of fronts to that challenge. Number one, God's actions are fundamentally righteous in all his dealings. We're going to talk about the standard. What is a standard? In God's infinite wisdom, all things take place either by God's prescription or permission. And in perfect accordance with his sovereign purposes and unfathomable judgments. Let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 11. There is not one person here, I can guarantee, unless you are super Christian, who has not thought this thought about God, right? Knowing God is good, but when you go through a challenging occurrence in life and you see someone suffering or yourself suffering, you question God's goodness. If we are all honest with ourselves, we would have to raise our hand and say, guilty as charged. I'll be the first one to do it, guilty as charged. I have no pride in that because I know I have questioned that. And it becomes a challenge for me at times. Romans 11, starting in verse 33. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. What did Paul go through? Later, we're going to look at the list of what Paul went through in Romans chapter 8. Can Paul say this despite all that happened to him? He was stoned unto death, folks, got up, walked back in the city, knowing he could potentially get stoned again. He says something like this. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has, excuse me, or who became his counselor? Or who first, who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Paul said this. And in our simple, small trials and challenges, we question God's goodness. I do it. You do it. We all do it. Now, this is a very deep topic. We could spend probably a number of things, a number of weeks going through this. Well, I don't have the time. So I really want to focus on God is good to us. Some of these things will come up in the discussion. But folks, God is good. God is good. And we as believers should know that more than anybody else, that God is good. And we should, we should rest in that. We should be excited about that, happy about that, knowing when everything goes through... This is but a simple weight that occurs. We are going to be glorified, folks. He has promised us that he will glorify, he will give us glorified bodies. And we can rest in that. We can be excited about that, happy about that. These trials, they, they work our faith, yeah, but they're nothing. In the English dictionary, the word good, is defined as having high quality, 
excellent superior. Now going back into using the kind of the Greek dictionary to understand what the, the, the history of the Greek word that's found in the New Testament, we can define it as capable, useful, beneficial. Let's be honest, how do we define good? We define it usually based on selfish means, right? What's good for me? Hey man, it can't be good unless it's good for me. The receiver has to accept it as good for them. That's, that's not the definition that we're talking about here. Not at all. And I think the more that we understand that, the more that we understand what good is. Turn to Luke 18, 19. Luke 18, 19, we'll actually just look verse 18 to give us the context. This is the rich, he's, the rich young ruler comes to him and is speaking to him and says, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So we have to draw the conclusion here by what Jesus said is to say God defines good by who he is. Anything that God does, therefore, is what? Good. We have to draw that line to be able to help us get through anything that goes through our lives. Anything that God does is good. Now, we know if you look at God's attributes, you have to look at them as a whole because if you don't, you will isolate one at the, at the, the, the detriment to the others. So it's important to us to understand what goodness is about and how that actually ties in to other attributes. Dr. Wayne Grudeman, his, his book on, on systematic theology, defines goodness as the goodness of God means that God is the final standard of good. And that all that God is and does is worthy of approval. Our approval. So what happens, again, we get in our selfish thinking and we say, wow, this is not good for me, therefore I don't approve of it. Guess what? You don't have a say in it. God will be God and we will not be God. God, good is simply what God approves. Our standard is God's own character and his approval of whatever is consistent with his character. That's what's good. Therefore, we must approve what God approves. This is where we are going to be challenged. And we'll talk about the implications at the end. In order for us to understand what God approves, we've got to know God. Is not God infinite in wisdom? Is this not... I don't, Don can read off the three things from Trusting God book, right? What are those? God is completely sovereign, infinite in wisdom, and perfect in his love. If you went through his class there, if you didn't go through it, there are the three main aspects of that class. Those are important things for us to understand and to trust. 
and to take in. We've got to have the knowledge to do this. Because so often we react to situations via emotion and way too much thinking. And we've, we can't. We have to do it through it. We have to, we have to trust God for who he is, to know that he knows what's going on. It's for his good. Those, that is not easy. That is not easy for us. Because you question, what? How can that be good? But then when you come to the fact that God is infinite in his wisdom, he's sovereign in everything, and his love just abounds beyond whatever, and we are part of that, then we will say, ah, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. There are times in Scripture where God reveals the purpose of the trial. Most of the time in Scripture, there's never a revelation of why you go through that trial. Outside of the fact, you can look at, we're going to look at Romans 8, 28, the fact that is for our sanctification, is for us to be more like Christ. But God is good. God's goodness is directly connected with his other attributes of mercy, patience, and grace. Another quote from Dr. Wayne Grudem's book, he says, God's mercy is his goodness towards those in distress. His grace is his goodness toward those who deserve only punishment. And his patience is his goodness toward those who continue to sin over a period of time. God is good. And I want to constantly remind you of that fact that God is good. I was witnessing to one young fellow, and he said, I just don't know if I can believe what you're saying, that Christ is the only way to heaven. And I said, the very fact that you don't believe doesn't change the truth. The facts are the facts. And the truth is, unless you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will not have a part in eternal life with God the Father and His Son and the Holy Spirit. We won't have it. That's the truth. What is good? Let's just see a couple things of how good God defines good. Turn all the way in, back to Genesis chapter 1. should be easy to recognize this, right? This, this kind of boggles my mind a little bit. Genesis 1.31. God creates, verse 31, God saw all that he had made during the six days of creation, seventh day of rest, and God saw all that he made, and behold, it was... Wait, wait a second. It was good, yes, but it was very good. It was very good. I don't know how I could define in God's creation of this universe what very good is. To me, it's amazing. He calls it very good. It was exactly what he wanted it to be. There are some critters out there that, why in the world did that? I'm sorry, a rattlesnake to me ain't good. Getting bit why one is very bad, not very good. And so, but you think of those things. Now, I, I you know, you got these people who believe in evolution, right? And uh, I'm sorry, they just can't see the forest through the trees. I go to the, um, 
doctor's office and it says, it's got a photo up there or a picture of a foot all, you know, explaining the pieces and parts and says, the amazing foot, right? Amazing foot. Yeah. You look at all that God has done in anything and it cannot happen by chance, folks. There is a sovereign God who created something who is amazing and he is good. Very good. Wow. Love it. Psalm 119.68. David says to the Lord, speaking to the Lord, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't stop with the fact of saying you're good and do good. He says, you know, because you are good and do good, I want to know about you. Do you do that? Ron was challenging us to read his word every day, God's word every day. The only way we're going to know that God is good and does good. Staying in his word, concentrating on that. God is good. Romans 12, 2. I feel like Pastor Dan, that's just, this is just the introduction. Where are we going from here? All good stuff. Good stuff. Let's look at verse 1 in context. Therefore I urge you, this is Romans 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, living and holy sacrifice, acceptable God, which is your, your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. What is the will of God? That which is good and acceptable and perfect. How are we going to know these things? You've got to know the word. got to know the word. Then we'll know what's good. We'll put it through the lens of Scripture, through the character of God. Then we'll understand what is good. Because I submit to you again today, God is good. We can all look at our lives, right? And we could pinpoint all of the challenging things that went on, all the trials, all the, tr the, the disasters, all the not-so-nice things that went on. I just was thinking about this myself, so reveal a little bit of myself. At birth, I had strabismus, and you could barely see one of my eyes. You say that was probably a good thing, but it wasn't. You looked at me, you probably would pity me and say, you, you are one ugly baby. You maybe still say that as well. That's all right. 18 months old, I had one eye operation. Didn't correct everything, had another one at four years old. As you probably will say, maybe it still didn't correct anything. At 11 years old, almost died in a fire. It happened at my house. And uh, was not a believer at the time. God's sovereign. God is good. Got married, had a son that was two months premature. Didn't know if he was going to live or not. But God is good. He's 22 and big as a horse. 
eats me out of house and home. Now he's with my mother and eating her out of house and home. <laughs> At that time, I'd lost my job, thought I had insurance, didn't. Got stuck with a $30,000 bill. God is good. My parents divorced before I turned 30. Dad said he was a believer. Didn't understand. God is good. God is good. I was on vacation with the rumps. I remember that quite clear. Lost my job. Remember that, Fred? God is good. God is good. Got to do VBS that summer. It was the funnest VBS. I even have kids come up to me and say, I remember that VBS. Boy, that's awesome. Isn't that awesome? God is good. My dad died when I was 38. Wanted to get him no more. Wanted my kids to have a grandfather. My side, that was. God, God is good. My mother-in-law dies when I was 44, and father-in-law dies when I'm 47. But God is good, right? God is good. You can go through. You can, you can do this yourself, right? And you can react emotionally like I'm doing. <laughs> you can react thinking, overthinking, and thinking, what is this God doing? But I know my God, and I know he is good. I know he's good. Think of Joseph, right? The Old Testament. Hated by his brothers. Thrown into a pit. What they want to kill him. Instead of killing him, sell him into slavery. Accused of misconduct with the life of a high-ranking official. Gets sent to jail. Separated from his family for almost two decades. But what does he say in Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 and 8? You know, you thought this was going to be for evil. But God did it to save you guys there. He did it for good. Now, there's one case where we can see the purpose of what God did. We don't always do it. God never promises that he's going to show us the reason why. That, that's tough for us. Let's just be honest. That's tough for us. We got to know why. And there's an age when your children are growing up where the constant word, it seems like they only know one word, and it's the word why. And I tell them, listen, within your voice box, you're allowed 50 whys in your lifetime. Don't use them up all at once. Scares them for a moment, and they realize I'm just pulling their leg. But why, right? We always ask why. Turn to Romans chapter 8. We're there in Romans. Verses 35, 39. Let's bump back to to 28 so that we can kind of even think of this in context. And we know that God causes all things to work together for what? We've defined what good is, what is good. What God defines as good because of his character of who he is. Not because of us. Keep that in mind. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. And what did we understand from Romans chapter 12, verse 2? 
what the will of God is for us to know? What is good? So when we go through trials and tribulations and disasters, we can know that it's for our good. You know, some kids grow up healthy, some kids grow up physical challenges, mental challenges. God is good. God is good for both cases. God's good. You may have grown up in a poor family. God's good. May not have a job. God's good. You may have gone through a heart attack, cancer. May have it now. Some other physical ailment. God is good. You may have some of your children who are completely walking with the Lord. Some of your children aren't, or all of them may not be. God is good. I have to remind myself of that as well. It's not my responsibility to save. It's God's, and he is good. It was hard to realize when the fire happened in the house. I want to give you a couple of events around that to know that, that God cares for his own, even when they're not saved yet. At 11, I was not a believer. Fire occurred in the house, the house, the room that I was in. Um, of the bedrooms was the one that was burnt the most. My head was against the wall that the fire started reaching to the house. Neighbor across the street uh, was out looking for her son. Now, we lived in Boxford at the time as I was a kid, and in Boxford, uh, at that time, most of the homes were about two acres, and you really couldn't see the house next to you. There was only a few spots where the neighbor across the street could actually vis visually see our house. And she happened, right, happened to be there at that moment, looked over, saw the fire called the house and said, hey, just want to know, are you having a campfire in the back of your yard? The answer was no, obviously. I was asleep. My brothers were asleep. My sister was asleep, woke up from someone shouting, saying, get up out of bed right now. There's a fire. Get out. Got out of the house and turned back and felt just a huge wave of heat. It was about 200 feet away from the fire and could feel the intense heat. I know what hell, at least a potential glimpse of what hell feels like. I don't want anybody to go there. Everybody got out of the house. Made it. Um, even the dog got out. And I remember that night my dad never prayed. Never prayed as a family. We were at a friend's house who took us in and we were around the bed praying. My dad said, why, Lord, why? Why did you do that? I did nothing wrong. I was good. Why? Without knowing it, the Lord said, because I'm going to save your family. Through that, we got invited to uh, the church here. Back in 1977, dating myself now. If you're good at math, you can figure out how old I am. 
through the, the uh, visiting of Pastor Stringer, through the messages, the Lord saved us. Nothing I did. I'm thankful that, that Hebrews 1.14 talks about the Lord sends his angels and watches over those who will be saved. For if, if you look at the Greek, that's what it's talking about. I'm so thankful the Lord saved me. God is good. God is good. Those, the minor things, minor things that happen. You know, you, you may be going through financial challenges and you say, I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. If you trust God, he'll help you. God is good. He knows all those things. I want you to look at, back at James 1.17. I just know that if I, if I ponder upon my own flesh and my own weaknesses, that I will never come to the conclusion that God is good. I just won't. Because I will, I will not be able to look beyond the natural disasters that go on. I will not be able to look at all of the illness that's going on. The diseases that no one can, can fix. No one can diagnose a treatment or a problem. And that people are still dying. And I look at it and in my own selfishness I could say God cannot be good. And you could say that as well. But I know who God is. I know his character. And I know what he is. And he defines good. And I say God is good. James 1.17 Every good gift, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. You know why we think of earthly means by which we think of God being good and what he gives to us as being good, we define it on, on earthly possessions. Health. Happiness. But what does he say? I mean, these are gifts from above. So how do we define these type of gifts? What would be their ultimate outcome? Heavenly. Spiritual. That's what it's all about. So when we talk about all things come, are, are done for, for, for our good, we have to recognize that it's for a spiritual and heavenly purpose. It's for us to be more like Christ. God is good. He is the one that's the giver. There is nothing evil about him. Habakkuk says that he is too pure to approve evil. That's in Habakkuk 1.13 if you want to put it down and look at it later. We can't blame God for sin. It says it back in, in verse 13. Let no one say when he is, this is in James 1, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil and and he himself does not tempt anyone. God is devoid of evil. And we have, to, we have to trust that and have faith. Everything we believe about God is faith. Who he is and his character and that he is good. I 
All life's events are for our good so that we can be prepared for that heavenly home that we have with him for eternity. God's gifts are perfect. Let's not forget that. They're not random. They're not selective. They do exactly what God has purposed for it to do. And it is not up for us to understand why things happen. And knowing that God's gifts are perfect, it means they're complete. There's lacking nothing. They're valuable. They're valuable for us. You know, the focus here is, is also on, on the person who's giving the gift, every good thing given. The focus here is on the person that's giving. And then on the gift that that person is giving. What God does is good and giving things to us. And everything that he gives to us is perfect. Everything, folks. Everything. Not what we deem is good, but we have to trust the fact that everything he gives is good. Again, you emotionally and, and, and logically may sit here and say, I, I, I don't trust that. I can understand if that's all you're doing is thinking logically and with your emotions. We can't trust our emotions, folks. Our heart is, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Why do I say that? Because you know what? Your mind can, can deceive yourself into believing that God is not good. When God's word clearly states that he is good, there is none good but God. And we have, to, we have to focus on that in our own lives. Focus on everything. I don't understand why God sometimes puts in children's hearts when you try to teach them the same thing, a, a heart, one for serving God and one for not. I don't understand. Emotionally, it makes you cry. It makes it hurts. It, um, it 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 questions your thinking, and maybe it questions you as a person. You can get in depression. You can question God. You can walk away from God. But that's the farthest thing that God wants out of you. He wants you to know that He's good. He's in control, folks. He knows what He's doing. We may not understand. Why does he take a child at a young age? Why does he take a parent from a child that needs him? I don't know, but God is good. I know God is good. Do you know God is good? So when the trials and challenges come, you can go and say, I know God is good, and because of that in his word, I will not fall into the sin of doubting God's goodness. Because I'm going to do it. In of my own self. One thing we pray for one another is to make sure that we understand as a group that God is good and we share it with one another. God, I know you're going through a trial, but God is good. God's good. He will make the way of escape. Does that mean it's going to be all roses for you? No. Oh. But what he's doing is he's molding you to make you more like him. Because why? We are citizens of heaven. This is, just, this is just a passing home. We're aliens. I love when Pastor Dan was talking about being aliens, right? Some people look at me when I share things and they do think I have two heads, right? That's fine. Just proving I'm an alien. That's all I'm trying to do. 
but God is good. Who is this God who gives all of these wonderful things? What does it say in this verse? These good gifts come down from the Father of lights. That's a reference in the Old Testament to God being the creator. He's the creator of the lights. He's the creator of everything. He's the one who said, what I did in six days was what? Very good. Don't forget the very. I mean, he does all this stuff. He calls it for the first five days. He calls it what? Simply good. In verse 6, he looks back and says, wow, I've done a pretty good job. No, he said, that's not his character, but I mean, I, I make that lightly, but he is very good. What he does is very good. We couldn't even come close to the imagination of who God is and the character of God. He is good. He's the one who created the lights. And then it goes on and says, there is no variation or shifting shadow. How many of you are kind of stargazers? Oh, yeah, okay. Be honest, you can be a geek or whatever. Stargazer. And that's you're not gazing at the stars for some other reason, right? I'm not talking about astrology. I'm talking about astronomy, okay? Looking at the lights. What happens during the seasons? Where are the points of lights during the seasons? Same spot all the time? They're different, right? The sun during the day does what? Comes up, goes across, comes down. It's all. Right? There's variation. There's shifting, right? Our God does not shift. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is good. What do we do with this stuff? What are the implications here? I always, I always like to think of implications. I can't, I can't, I don't know each of your hearts. I know mine. I don't know each of your hearts. I don't know where your challenges are today. I don't know where your ups and your downs are. But there's some implications here, things that we have to respond to. Some of those implications are we need to understand what the goodness of God is. Look at, look at good through the eyes of God. Not through our eyes, but the eyes of God. Trust him for that. By knowing the character of God, and that he is the very definition of good. We can go through life knowing all things are good. Eliminate the emotion and thinking that usually has a warped conclusion. Does it not have a warped conclusion? We respond to so many things based on the fact of emotion. I have had to say, good thing that, you know, how I was talking about the box of 50 whys. Good thing there's not 50 sorries or I apologize or forgive me. Because <laughs> I would have run out of those long, long time ago. Eliminate the emotion and thinking that usually has a warped conclusion of what is good. Replace that with a basic understanding of who God is and that he is good. Knowing God's goodness should drive us to do what? Be thankful. Right? If God is good and he has saved me, I am so thankful for the goodness that he gives to me. 
The greatest expression of God's goodness is his sending his son to die on the cross for wicked, sinful man. That's me, folks. That's me. At 13 year old, I was a wicked, no good sinner. But God is good. He saved me. My goal tonight was really not to get you to do good. It's not the goal. That will come if you recognize who God is. You know, the command is to do good to all people, especially the household of faith. Yeah, you know those things. I don't have to tell those things to you. I think we question God's goodness quite often when challenges come into our lives. We cannot forget the fact that God's word is unfailing. It is the truth. And God is good. Let's pray. Lord, we are weak, weak vessels who need you because without you we can do nothing to please you. Especially we doubt you because of, of what goes on and we question why do bad things happen in this world to, to believers even. Why do those things happen? And we question your goodness. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to, to put faith in your word and your character that you love us. You're gracious, gracious, you're merciful, you're patient with us, and your goodness expands to all generations. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Help us to go from here being so thankful for your being good and help us not to doubt. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.